Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. we got a special episode this week on adoption. Yeah, we're joined by Jordan and Joanna Watwood to talk about adoption, the process, why it's so pro-life, and why it's so necessary for our society. I'd like to start with a quote from St. Teresa of Calcutta, which she speaks so beautifully of the sentiment of adoption by saying, do you want to do something beautiful for God? There is a person who needs you. This is your chance. Really excited about this episode. Uh, I know adoption is is just one word, but there's so much to unpack in this. And I'm very grateful to have Jordan and Joanna who have been through a lot with infertility and adoption and fertility. That I can't imagine a better couple to speak about this than you guys. So thanks for being here on the show with us today. Thanks for having us. It's truly remarkable that this show is airing right around Mother's Day. And to ex- to experience that in my own pastoral ministry and knowing the Watwoods for a really long time and journeying with so many people who have struggled with infertility, I'm a consecrated priest of Our Lady of La Leche, and this is the national shrine in the United States of America in this hemisphere where people travel from far and wide to come and pray for the gift of children. And, you know, in that sense, I've, I've encountered so many hundreds of thousands, really, of people that I've prayed for. So I'm really excited about this episode. You know, one of the things that you hear so often about Catholics or Christians in general is that um, people mocking their pro-life stance, right? Oh, you're pro-life. Okay, well, what about when the baby's born? You're really just pro-birth. You're not actually pro-life. You know, how many children have you adopted? Uh, and that's one of the things they try to throw back in your face as a gotcha in, in those arguments, right? Like one really justifies the other, or it, it's kind of an, a, a, a shallow and weak argument. But the fact is, is that there is hundreds of thousands of couples, both fertile and infertile, looking to adopt. There is more families looking to adopt than there are children to adopt. Um, the adoption process is, is very arduous. It's very complicated. Cumbersome. So true. Right. Um, The Catholic Church has been for generations and centuries and millennia, really, you know, very deeply involved in the protection and adoption of children. But you've seen within the last 20 years with the redefining of marriage uh, in our country that the Catholic Church has really been forced out of the adoption world. And it's a real shame and it's a real tragedy that that's happened to the church and that it's happened to children that at the benefit of, of, you know, woke politics, that there's children who don't get the opportunity to be loved and placed in safe, stable homes. And we're going to try to unpack that a little bit today. But yeah, we're joined by Jordan and Joanna Watwood. They are longtime friends of all of ours. Um, they work with Catholic Monthly. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that online, and we'll talk about that as well. But uh, Jordan and Joanna um, have adopted multiple children and have had multiple children biologically as well. So we really wanted to talk to them because there's so many families and so many parents and couples out there um, either struggling with infertility and the desire to have children or have such a super abundance of love in their heart and the um, – the open arms that they're looking to adopt children. And so if, if you've ever thought about this or considered it, I think this is a great episode for you to learn about some of the inside outs of how the adoption process works and what the spiritual and emotional journey is like. So um, Jordan, Joanna, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you met, how you got married, then how you came to the decision that ultimately you would adopt a child. Yeah, that's great. You want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Uh, so uh, Joanna and I both grew up in, in a, uh, the same community, um, and we can do a whole episode on uh, <laughs> Christian charismatic uh, communities. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be for a later date, but um, we, we both grew up in the same uh, Christian charismatic community um, and went to the same school. We were a couple of years apart and um, ended up kind of going our separate ways. We we're friends uh, when we were younger. I spent a good bit of time over at her house 
hanging out with her younger brother. Um, and then we went our separate ways for college and then both kind of wound up back home after college uh, and started hanging out. And then that turned into a romance and then dated for, for a while and then um, got engaged and got married uh, in the church. And uh, gosh, what, 13 years ago, coming on 14 years ago. So, uh, but we've known each other for uh, most of our lives, I would say. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen a great picture of you guys, uh, um, you know, in your wedding clothes with the Pope. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. why don't you talk about that? Uh, well, we did. We went to Rome for our honeymoon and did all the necessary steps of having our our bishop write the letter. And we got there and um, we actually were the last couple that was in, invited into the row um, that would get to meet Pope Benedict. And um, my husband being the sweet uh, generous man that he is, uh, was standing behind me kind of being protective and got pushed out of the way by this other guy, which was, was really funny. Um, in a big sombrero hat and he put it on Pope Benedict's head and I'm like, great, they're going to like shut the whole thing down. And whoa. Um, but anyway, so I actually got to that day, um, kiss Pope Benedict's ring twice because wow. his bodyguard moved us to the end. And, um, yeah, and yeah. and invited Jordan back in and gave us the rosaries and um, it was very special and yeah. uh, unfortunately the picture angle we got everybody thinks we're lying and that it's just a poster cut out. But <laughs> <laughs> it, really um, it really is you guys. It really right. is. Well, guys. no, there's no doubt that it's us. It's is it really Pope Benedict? Because right. <laughs> right. no, it's Pope white. Benedict posting with a a cut out of the Watt ones because he's That's that right. you guys. Um, <laughs> provide you with one of those pictures but it was really cool because after meeting him like you just have this moment where he he just kind of looks into your eyes and you just feel like yeah you just you just feel I don't know like this special blessing on your marriage I guess but it was cool because afterwards we were married in in January and so it was cold there and afterwards we um they kind of escorted us out and you walked down the aisle we're in the um the covered I guess papal audience building so we weren't outside and walking down and um all of the couples or all of the the crowd was clapping and and just cheering um Nova Sposa Nova Sposa and you know Caraggio Nova Sposa and just it was really cool it felt like the whole church was kind of like cheering us on and it was just like the six couples that got to meet him that day everybody else was behind us and they're like Mm -hmm. to hear that to hear that chant you know new spouses take courage, you know, and to receive this, to receive this blessing from the Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, it would almost seem as if from that moment on, it's like heaven on earth for you. And the fact that you entered into a period of suffering, as Delacroix was sharing before, with with a period of infertility, uh, you know, can you share a little bit of, you know, what that blessing meant, and then this commission that, that you almost, you know, you literally commissioned by Pope, the Pope, you know, the successor of St. Peter, you're commissioned in your marriage to be fruitful, to multiply. And that is the deepest desire of any man or woman, you know, husband or wife. So share, share a little bit with us about uh, the history of, of your infertility moving into adoption. Yeah. I'll, I'll just start with, um, you know, as we were, as we were dating, engaged, and, and getting ready for marriage, there were several couple friends of ours who were in the same kind of phase of life, and um, there were a handful of them that were having, you know, honeymoon pregnancies and and having babies right away. And we both came from decently sized Catholic families. Um, I, I'm one of uh, of five, and Joanna's one of eight. Um, and and all of our friends came from same, similar sized uh, families, and. Uh, we just assumed that we would have a big family of our own and it would happen right away. And um, so you start seeing couples that you're friends with the same age, maybe even a little younger, start having kids. And and it's like you're getting lapped, you know, and suddenly they're having their second mm. and you haven't been able to have your first. And um, a few months into our marriage, we had a, a miscarriage and you know, we, we kind of, you know, expected that that might happen. A lot of couples have a miscarriage right away and then they go to have their first child, but nothing happened after that. And I remember, um, it was kind of like, 
if you feel as though you've been infertile for a year, the year mark was kind of that telltale sign, then you needed to go spend some time with a specialist and start to seek medical help. And there was a lot of denial getting to that point. Like, mm -hmm. do we really need to do this? Uh, but there was also just this emptiness inside and this tremendous sadness. Um, really hard to celebrate your friends as they were having babies uh, and you weren't. And it was really hard to kind of look at your situation as unique to you and not feel like the baby they're having could have been the baby that I was having. It's very complicated. I mean, <laughs> infertility was a tremendous, uh, had a tremendous ability to distance you, isolate you, drive a wedge between you and the people that you love the most and really create a whole lot of, of loneliness and isolation mm -hmm. and sadness. It, it was, it was tough. Yeah, I mean, and I'll speak to the fact that Jordan during that time, I'll tell you, um, I think, I think like Jordan, I assumed, um, that we would just get pregnant right away. I went to Franciscan. And so, you know, man, I was <laughs> 27 when we got married. So like, you know, most of my friends were sending their, their first and second and third kids away to kindergarten and I was just like, oh, well, I, we'll catch up. It'll, you know, it was very much an assumption of just like, I'm married and my mom had lots of kids and my sister had lots of kids and everybody has lots of kids. So I'm going to have lots of kids. Um, <clears throat> great humility, you know, gift of humility came with that um, when, when I wasn't getting pregnant and then when I lost the baby. And I think for, for me, one of the things I remember with Jordan is, you know, like we found out we were pregnant early on and but we also found out that, you know, things didn't look good. The baby wasn't growing properly. And I remember he, um, he took me to adoration mm. while the baby was still alive. And like, right after a doctor's appointment, and he's like, you know, like, this is what we need to do. We need to bring our baby to Jesus. And <laughs> that's all we can do. Um, and I remember we came home from that and we named the baby Jeremiah and then mm. knew that, the baby, you know, like we just waited. I think it was around Mother's Day, actually. Yeah, it was May yeah. 16th. So it was like right around Mother's Day that all this was happening. It's crazy. Um, and that would have been in 2009. And so, you know, then you start to get the people who are like, well, at least you got pregnant. At least, you know, it's like people want to be so caring and so mm -hmm. supportive, but it is such an uncomfortable mm -hmm. and personal thing that nobody is ever going to have the right thing to say even if it's, you've walked through it and you think, oh, well, this is what they need to hear because this is what I needed to hear. Right. And, and that's just not, you know, it's not what it is. So um, yeah, so anyways, Jordan, but I, I think there's a, a distinct change in you then that he, he didn't bring up, but that every time that someone would announce that they were pregnant or every time I'd be like, just promise me, like promise me that we're gonna have a baby. And you know, like I wanted him to fix it, but I just needed to know that we were gonna live, right? Um, it wasn't the end. He would say, God did not just give our baby away. There's not some number of babies that he's giving away each month and the quota has been met and our baby's gone. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me, I think, to be able to say like, okay, this baby shower is going to be hard. Um, this niece or nephew, I mean, I had eight surgeries the first few years that we were trying every time I got out of the hospital, not kidding. Every time there was an announcement that was made that a family member, a new niece or nephew was going to be coming to be born. And it almost became a joke until like, they'd call me like, how are you? Okay. Well, we wanted to just tell you before everybody else. And we're like, okay. But it really became this beautiful thing. Cause Jordan, the phone would hang up and he'd say, God did not just give our baby away. You know, it's so. beautiful looking back on it now. It was, hard <laughs> it was at the time. horrible at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, it's kind of like a school in some ways, you know, going through that, that period of time, just learning as a guy, like I want to fix things. Like I don't, if a problem is in front of me, I fix it and we move on. Right. And um, it was really hard. And I don't think we did a good job with this. Um, it was really hard to, to find the joy in the moment during those years um, and just kind of be at peace with what was going on and still find joy. There was just a lot of sadness Um at the same time, we we also look back when when you know spoiler alert when we were able to adopt um, and uh, and our first son was was placed with us um, having you know five plus years of just us before kids entered the mix 
really allowed us to be able to grow as a couple, uh, grow in our relationship with each other. Um, and there were a lot of friends of ours who never really got that time because they immediately had you know a baby um, or were pregnant and, and were dealing with all of that. And so there were certainly some, some silver linings, some blessings that we were able to see and appreciate later. But in the moment, we weren't, you know, unfortunately, it was just, it was hard, you know, it was really tough. And, and I think just to kind of speak to what Joanna said a minute ago with, um, you know, people wanting to offer advice, that was another great lesson to learn was um, it's really, it's uncomfortable to be with people who are going through something, uh, whether it's infertility or even like the death of a family member or, you know, someone dealing with a relationship issue or an addiction issue or something like that. Like, it's a lot more convenient if things are just better, right? And you don't have to deal with that. But there's a, a tremendous amount of grace that can come from being with someone in the midst of that hardship and not trying to fix it, but just being there with them. Mm -hmm. Joanna's really good at that. I'm not so much. Um, but, you know, the couples and the, and the people and our family and the friends that were able to kind of be with us and not try to you know, it'll be okay and, and kind of brush it off and, and get the awkwardness out of the way, but we're able to sit with us during that awkwardness. That meant a lot. That was really special. Yeah, it's a, a quite an experience. I can't imagine, um, you know, the expectations and then how both of you guys deal with it separately as individuals, but yet you also deal with it collectively as a couple. So the you know, my 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 side of this is that you know there's three things going on here you know it's you it's your wife it's also the relationship and so it's just so intertwined with grief and the and the capacity for overcoming that grief or understanding it takes a lot of time you know so it's uh and it probably has a a a, a very good impact on your relationship now too i would imagine you know just yeah. having to go through that yeah, totally. I mean, and they, uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, some advice for any, any, any individuals or couples listening who are dealing with infertility, you know, it takes two to tango, right? And uh, when it, when it didn't work in, it's easy to start pointing fingers or, you know, thinking who, who's the one that's got the problem, you know, is it, is it both of us? Is it him? Is it her? Um, and, you know, medically you can find that stuff out, but it's really important not to, um, not to shame or create any, any sort of like finger pointing, uh, because that will rip your relationship apart. You know, I mean, um, there, there was a lot of those feelings during those years that we had, and we just had to be really good about, you know, reminding each other how much we loved each other and that, you know, your dignity as my spouse isn't dependent upon your ability to, to co-create this life. Right. Um, I think that's really important to remember. Well, and I yeah, think there's a, there's a lot of that within the church, you know, it's, there's this command. I mean, it's the first commandment, go forth and be, you know, and multiply and be fertile and be fecund. And the oh, real Catholic family has 17 kids, all of them named Peter, Paul, Andrew, Mary, or some variation of it. There's just, there's that, I guess, expectation, whether it's really just expectation that a person's putting on themselves or the community, but you know, and then you always talk about, well, you know, sex is for married couples to have children. And then you have couples who are infertile. Does that mean that their their relationship and their their union is less blessed, less holy, right? You know, it gets into all these questions that I think can, again, be very, I mean, even from a secular point of view, very personal, very painful. But then you put in your faith in that and then you put into the divine aspect of it. It becomes a pretty difficult thing to to wrap your head around. So in the course of your marriage, you know, I'm sure you were dealing with, I mean, I almost want to say a Catholic guilt about it, you know, and how does that, how did that feeling lead towards maybe the decision to say it's maybe it's time that we look at adoption? How does, how do one lead to the other? Um, well, yeah, I, I will say that like our time of, especially those weddings we were talking about, everyone getting married and you know, hearing the homily, it felt like sometimes it was the same homily over and over, you know, like the greatest gift of marriage is children and be fruitful and multiply. And um, for me, I don't know if it's a little TMI, but we, um, we, we actually, I will tell you this for the priests that are listening. Um, we, we actually called the church office. Okay. And I went to Franciscan and I was a biology major and, you know, I, I, 
was in touch with like the teachings of the church, right? I knew um, in vitro, IUI, anything that took away from the marital act, that removed the marital act from um, growing your family and producing children, right? Uh, was not gonna be okay. But I didn't know where else to look. Mm -hmm. And so we called the church office and it was literally like silence. We don't know how to help you. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know how to help us? You know, like, yeah. So we kind of had to go about it our, not in our own way, but just um, we started doing research and that ended up being a huge gift because I think it gave us a real passion for, um, this was when we were still living in Augusta and uh, Augusta, Georgia. And just in our church there just decided to become kind of like, um, you know, we kind of tried to pave the way for the next couple. It's like, if somebody calls, please have them call us. And I will tell you what reproductive doctor will do the blood work, but not ask them to do in vitro or, you know, test the husband's sperm in a way that's going to, you know, go against, you know, the teachings of the church and, you know, but nobody else was willing, not, not nobody else was willing to do that. But during our time of searching, like not even the priest could give us answers. And that was really frustrating because I'm like, okay, well, you're telling me to be fruitful and multiply, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this. And, and yet I felt like the church in some ways left me with like this, Oh, well, it's a gray area. It's a gray area. And you're like, okay. Um, so anyways, we actually, uh, I had been teaching at a Catholic church there in or school mm-hmm. and decided I was a middle school science teacher and decided that we were going to take a year off so that we could basically do all of the blood work because this kind of leads into the adoption journey, but um, to, to go about looking into your fertility in a way that is within the, the teachings of the church is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it really is. You're getting, because it's not just like a one and done, like take this pill and then we're going to take your eggs and we're going to take your sperm. We're going to fix it. It's all going to be done. Um, you really, they're working with the couple and with the act of marriage Right. So um, anyway, so it became a full time job and I ended up uh, being told about like finding out about Dr. Hilders, which if you are a Catholic infertile woman, the first thing that anybody will say to you is, well, one, it's usually why don't you guys just adopt? Which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> um, but but also then like Dr. Hilders, NAPRO. Have you guys ever heard of you've heard of NAPRO, right? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, oh, OK, well what does that entail? Well, that entails going to Omaha, Nebraska, having surgery. At the time, there were very few fellows, people that he had trained to do the surgeries, right? Um, But it was, it was definitely for us, like we felt kind of like God gave us this mission to kind of be trailblazers and to bring back to our area. I became a, um, a Creighton instructor, which in, in itself was hard because then I would have clients who were like, I can't get pregnant. I'm going crazy. Like, you know, I can't have another baby. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. Like, okay. You know, and I would just kind of have to hold back the tears, but I also got to like hold the hands of women who were like, what do I do? I, I will do anything. I'm desperate. Um, it's actually where I met Ryan's wife. Um, Jen was in that training and it's just cool to see now, like how, how that story has been written, mm-hmm. but, um, how God paved, yeah. how God paved the way and like in, in totally. some, providentially for your journey. And, you know, I can't help but think as I'm listening to your calling and you fulfilling your vocation, you've been blessed by Pope Benedict. You've gone through all this suffering. You're considering the book of Genesis and just like be fertile and multiply. And now you're seeing the scriptures play out in your life. And I mean, adoption is right there in the book of Genesis as well in relationship to Joseph and Joseph adopting the, uh, the, the Ephraim's children up to the third generation and Machir, the son of Manasseh, you know, and, and raising those children on his knee as the book of Genesis expresses. So, you know, bridging, bridging that, seeing what uh, St. Teresa, the little flower expressed, when you see something lacking in community, place it there. 
And, and that is precisely with your suffering, with your experience, and you've been blessed and commissioned by the Pope. And now on your journey, now you're seeing what is lacking in community, in the church. And now you are researching, you are suffering it, and then you are presenting it almost as a trailblazer in relationship to your commissioned vocation. And it, it begs the point that Archbishop Pierre, the apostolic, uh, apostolic nuncio, I, had a con- I was blessed to have a conversation with him the other day. And he said, you know, at times we can fall into the practice of saying the church and pointing at the church and, and what the church is not doing. But it's we, the church, and it's our responsibility of recognizing what is not present and then placing it there. But to have the courage, you know, you, you new spouses, nova sposa, coraggio, be courageous because step out in your suffering. A lot of times, as you guys mentioned, suffering isolates us. It, it cuts us off from community. We're alone. Nobody understands our suffering. Now, the courage of being able to open your suffering to others, and I can't even imagine what that was for you, Joanna, being a Creighton model instructor and seeing, you know, one, the suffering, but also that other people are actually conceiving through this through this method of natural family planning. You know, so can you share even more now, like as you bridge this experience of your suffering into like a, a motivated catalyst of vocation? Now, how did that vocation start to go into the discernment of adoption? Yeah, no, I mean, um, uh, so so we we followed through with the the Joanna followed through with the the Creighton model uh, training, became certified. We spent a good bit of time in Omaha, uh, fantastic city. If you ever get a chance to visit, um, and um, but you know, even even that when it was all said and done, it, it didn't. Uh, the surgeries and the procedures that we took, there was no immediate change. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there was, <clears throat> that was kind of like the, the rock bottom moment, you know, okay, we've, we've sold like all of our possessions to afford this surgery that insurance isn't going to really cover. Uh, we've gone and we spent multiple weeks in Omaha. We've done mm-hmm. all these things. Uh, you know, Joanna's been cut up and sewed back together and it's still not working. And I think that was kind of the moment when we, at least for me, when I started to open uh, my heart up to adoption, that and kind of really what it was, was a, was a ask came that there was a little boy in Houston who had just been born, who uh, needed a family. And would we be interested in, in adopting him? And, um, you know, we, through prayer uh, and, and talking with each other, uh, said yes. And, and it was a really scary uh, thing to say yes to. Um, not so much, well, I mean, there was some fear and like, I'm, I'm not, I've never been a dad before. What's this going to be like? Am I going to be able to really love this child that didn't come from us? Uh, but also the fear of saying, okay, well, we're acknowledging that we may never be able to have biological children. We're kind of closing. It felt like we were kind of closing the door on this chapter and moving on to something else. And, um, so we, we did that and, uh, you know, Joanna had a friend of hers who had adopted a few kids that we, we knew, and uh, she had a really beautiful thing that she said, um, you know, that if you are experiencing fear, uh, you know, just get, get out of the boat and start walking, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll never regret it. And, and that was so true. You know, we, mm-hmm. we said yes. We flew down to Houston, mm-hmm. um, and we, we fell in love with this little boy who is our, our oldest son. He's, he's the the little boy that made us mom and dad, you know, um, his name's Judah and he's amazing. And we chose his name because it means praise and thanksgiving. And we couldn't think of a better name to just kind of embody how we felt about being able to be his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, real quick, I'll just say this, like there is no, uh, that we've come to see, there is no, um, tried and true path to adoption, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like everybody's adoption stories are different. Um, the two kids that we've adopted, um, both of their stories are, are so different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, that's just something to kind of throw out there that there, there really isn't like a, uh, if your adoption doesn't follow these steps, then something is, is wrong or whatever. Like it, it's going to be what it's going to be. Right. And you just kind of have to hold on for the ride. It can be a pretty wild ride, um, but you won't regret it at the end. Yeah. A, a very scary ride. Um, and I would say too, that, you know, 
that fear, I think that we were experiencing, obviously I will say every adoption is more than likely gonna start with the fact that you have to have a home study, um, right? So that's kind of like step one. And I, I, I feel pretty confident saying that that's gonna be something that is everyone's step one because I don't think any, any child is ever gonna be able to be placed without that, right? That's its own, that's its own uh, little battle, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, because they, all of a sudden you realize that you're being allowed to ask, they're allowed to ask you questions, social workers who don't necessarily share your beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Um, but just the most intimate questions that um, are, they were hard mm-hmm. and they were messy and they were, you know, and, and especially as a Catholic, we were asked some things that we were asked to predict how we were going to behave if the following things happened 18 years from now. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't even, I'm putting one foot in front of the other right now and trusting that this is what God wants from us. But like, I'm sorry, I don't know how I'm going to respond. I know it will be with love but that's all I can tell you. Um, and you know, and that's scary because it takes the situation you're in in that moment is um, hoping that it's someone who's not woke <laughs> to a certain degree, because you know, you have people have the right to basically just say, yeah, like they're not going to be, they're not going to be good parents. What? Um, you know? And so during the time I will say with our first son, um, you know, obviously we were home study approved. So I want to say that we were home study approved, just basically being like, Lord, if this is what you want, we're open to it. We were poor, um, not to bring up the money, but I think, you know, this kind of goes back to where I was saying earlier show where, you know, people, they have good intentions and they're like, why don't you guys just adopt? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. do you have $42,000 sitting in your account that you can't get a loan on? because they can't repossess a child. And that's the money part of it, you know? And then there's the part of it that's like, you don't, adoption is not about fulfilling my need, my desire to have a child. And if you go into it with this attitude of like, sweet, we're going to get us a baby. It's going to be perfect. Like this is a child who has grown in another mother's womb, you know, who was knit perfectly together through whatever circumstance by God who like allowed beauty from that brokenness, but it's, it's heartbreaking. It's suffering. I mean, like, you know, I think about the fact that my boys sat under, you know, the rib cage of these mothers and heard their heartbeats for all those months and heard their voice for all these months. And then it was me. And so I had to trust a lot in the Blessed Mother and in St. Joseph, a lot of intercession, just saying like, fill that gap, fill, like bridge that gap because Lord, I know that if you've brought us to this, it's going to be something beautiful. But like, I feel like that can't be lost on people who just say, why don't you guys just adopt? Like, we'll do a fundraiser. It's not, this is a human being who's been through trauma, who, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's heavy. But it's so beautiful. And it is, I tell people whenever I get calls that are like, will you talk to so-and-so about adoption? I'm like, call me. And I'm going to tell you, it is so scary. It is so scary. It is so heavy. I mean, I pray every day, like, Lord, help me to figure out, you know, like speak the words that I can acknowledge that this is a part of my boy's story, Mm -hmm. but this is not who they are. It doesn't define them but to recognize like the brokenness that had to happen um, for that beauty in, you know, in but, our life. You know, but yeah, and you mentioned their biological mothers. I mean, that is a courageous decision they made. Our culture, 99 out of a hundred times, those children never get the opportunity to be born. You know, your sons in most cases never get to live. And those birth mothers, no matter what situation led them to um, making the decision to give the child up for adoption, that still was a very courageous thing that those women did. And, you know, they're not going to, you know, they gave them the gift of life and give them the gift of you guys being able to share that life with them. Um, they gave it's us so, the it's, gift. 
that's, that's what I'm the saying. Other thing is like people, yeah. yeah, people will say often like, oh, like that baby is so lucky. And you're like, no, no, no. Like we're the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. We are the lucky ones. And like their, their yes allowed us to live out this call that God has had, as scary as it's been. Um, yeah. Very yes, you know. You There's gain more than just a baby, by the way. Amen, when you amen to that, and it's like the courage that you have to face human suffering, spurred on by the hope that God is going to do something great through this. And you know, when you consider, the, you know, the most incredible stories throughout time, and some of the most amazing people throughout time that were adopted, like Babe Ruth, Eleanor Roosevelt, Steve Jobs, Melissa Gilbert, John Hancock, Michael Orr, you know that movie, The Blind Side, one of the great football players in the NFL history, Nelson Mandela, Leo Tolstoy, Edgar Allan Poe, all of these incredible children that experienced poverty and suffering and the people who adopted them that were willing to enter into their suffering with the commission call. Do you want to do something beautiful for God? Remember Mother Teresa's quote that we started with? It's like, there is somebody that needs you. There's a person that needs you. And it takes sacrifice. It takes a self-denying to recognize one's vocation, no matter how that plays out. But to be able to hear your vocation, guys, Jordan Jordan and Joanna, is just such a beautiful inspiration because it is a testimony of hope that God has a plan through the suffering. God has a plan through all of this. And I think the scriptures are wrought full of examples like this. Moses, for example, adopted. And look at it. He became the liberator of the children of Israel. You know, even even developing the sense from Joseph, adopting all of these children, and then saving them from pure destruction, Moses <laughs> liberating them from slavery, and all the way up through the cords of adoption through scriptures is really being played out in our modern era. And how beautiful to see that unfold for the two children that you did adopt and witnessing that mystery right before your eyes. Right. And I'd, I'd like to speak to that too real quick. Can I bring my prop on? Sure. <laughs> right. uh, the school teacher's coming out. The school teacher's coming out. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, when Father Rich, the quote um, that you, you keep talking about, like, you know, there's that person to love. And one thing that I, I, I like to share with people is that, um, you know, they say it takes a village. It takes a village to raise a family, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to, to be right there next to you, um, but that every one of us is called to adoption. And that doesn't mean that every one of us is called to physically bring a child into our home. Um, every one of us is called, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through saying, hey, I've got 20 bucks, it's all I've got, um, but here you go. Um, listen, Jordan and I, during the process of our adoption with our first son, it was a long and arduous journey um, that we won't get into today, but it, I mean, it was a very, it was a very um, unique situation. We had a family open up their home and for six months, we lived on a pullout couch at um, a family's home that became family to us and would step in and would go to court cases with us and would, you know, it wasn't money. It was them just opening their homes. And it was, and, and so you hear a lot, like in the adoption community, people just saying like, I don't have that kind of money. I will never have that kind of money. Um, so our, I will tell you, our our first adoption ended up crazy, mm-hmm. but we uh, came home from that experience um, with, what was it? 30,000, mm-hmm. I think. After we had exhausted the little bit of savings that we had, we had $30,000 in debt that we owed our attorney. And she basically told us, <clears throat> um, and that wasn't for the adoption fees, that was for legal fees, right? And she told us, you know, I'll give you like six months or nine months to pay it off. And let me tell you, if there's anything that can motivate you to like eat rice and beans and scrub toilets when you're off the clock, that's literally what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan would build furniture, I would scrub toilets, I would go clean people's houses after just like any penny because I didn't care. Nothing was beneath us because we had this answer, like all of a sudden, all those no's, all the years of no's made sense. Like, thank God he said no, because here's our yes. And here's our boy. And we were so grateful. So anyways, um, 
we ended up being able to pay that off within a few days. Like who does that? We were making nothing. Like we moved back home to Georgia after this long process and like God totally blessed that. And, um, I don't fully understand how, Mm -hmm. but he did. And, and that's another thing we love to share is it's like, don't be afraid of the money because if people are truly stepping in and they're truly saying, Hey, I want to be a part of this. I don't have a place in my home. You know, like Ryan might be like, Hey, hop in, you know, you can, you can come be number nine over here, but like, maybe there's not room by the rich. You're not, you know, going to be able to go and adopt a baby, but you, you offer those masses for people. You, you know, like you donate where you can. And so it, our first adoption was very, um, I would say public, which is something that we, I think we kind of regret now that like the story was out there because it's our son's story, mm-hmm. but it was very um, messy. Mm-hmm. All right. So our second adoption, we went into it and we were like, we are going to do this by ourselves. And at this point we were living in Houston um, and we literally both worked and we were scrappy and we like did organizing jobs where we could. We like would do anything we could to just like make that little bit of extra money, right? Because we were gonna do it by ourselves this time. We were gonna, we didn't want people to feel like sorry for us. And we knew that this, it didn't matter how our baby came to us. We loved them, right? And we got about halfway through our savings. We had gotten to like 20,000, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, had been gifted the, the application fee and our home study fee by a really awesome person. <laughs> and uh, Delacross. And um, anyways, and so we were like, we've been so blessed. We've been so blessed that we're going to do this on our own. And it And for about a year, we did that. And finally, Jordan's mom came to us and said, what is your deal? Like, this is never going to happen. You People want to help you. And so I just want to share um, adoption in, in our case cost about $42,000 um, for a private adoption. People, it's a whole nother thing. And now that I pay all the advertising bills for the, the company, I understand why, you know, this isn't about giving birth mothers some, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they shouldn't have all that money, right? Sorry, I know I'm long-winded, but I just want to show you guys something. So when we finally sucked it up and said it, okay, can you guys see this? Mm-hmm. I'll turn it this way. Um, All right, this is the 500 pieces of a puzzle. And the 500 pieces of the puzzle um, are, are on here because these are 500 different, now not all of them are like different people that have donated, some people bought more. But we basically said, okay, if you have 30 bucks, be a piece of our story, kind of cheesy marketing, but be a piece of our story and help us bring, grow our family if this is God's will for us. And in one week, seven days, um, we filled this board and it's just cool looking at it. John and Julie Heinen and family, um, you know, there's just so many people, but every one of these people gave 30 bucks for a piece of the puzzle. And we raised $15,000 in seven days. And we were able to bring our baby home and for the first time have a newborn Mm -hmm. at Christmas that we wired money to the adoption agency. And we could not have done it without people stepping up and saying, hey, like, I mean, there were some people in here who said, our prayer group, we don't have 30 bucks, but like we each chipped in $5 and we bought a puzzle piece. And and we were able to pray over their names to pray, you know, just a prayer of Thanksgiving, a prayer that like wherever the Lord had them, like it was just a really cool journey and being able to like be allow ourselves to be put out there and prayed for, but also to be able to pray with others or for others. You know, my heart, my heart is just like exploding with, with so much sentiment right now, because, you know, it's exactly what you were saying before, Joanna, like all of us are called to adoption. You know, and that's a perfect example of of what that looks like. And, you know, I, I recall the way that I got to know you guys was through Delacrosse. And I remember having so many conversations with you, Ryan, you know, and 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 you sharing their testimony, sharing who they were, you know, as almost like a preemptive before I met them. You know, Delacrosse, what it was what was it like for you participating in the adoption? And uh, I just recall those conversations so fondly. Yeah, I mean, seeing Joanna every day um, and 
she's uh, very communicative. And so I was <laughs> literally like experiencing a lot of the things that was going on with them. And, you know, we all work together too. So, you know, for me, it was kind of like, it's kind of like just being there and being a friend and just listening, you know, like and not offering advice. I was in a lot of ways, I was uh, kind of like a deer in headlights. Like I didn't understand all this stuff. I didn't, you know, that's what we're hoping to do here is to kind of just get people in touch with what actually goes on. I was very shocked to see that all this went on and it was very stressful for them. It was very stressful for Joanna, you know, Jordan and I never really talked as much as Joanna and I did, but you know, it was a very stressful thing for her. And then I remember going to consecrate our company to our lady of Guadalupe and then I came back and I'm like, Mary asked for a business. I'm like, this is hers now, you know? And I think it was maybe three or four months later or five months later, you know, I think you were already pregnant for a little while, but you came in the office. You're like, I'm ready to tell you guys that, you know, I'm pregnant. And that was just, that was just mind blowing. It's like, we have been down this long journey and I'm following this. And I'm just like, what, 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 it was like at, right after you, right after you adopted too. Like how many stories do you hear about people adopting and then just Very getting rare. pregnant afterwards? Right. And so you had this miracle baby, baby, there was all this guarded optimism, this lot of prayer, you know, because we didn't want to go through another, you know, miscarriage. Uh, and so it was just every day, just kind of like not walking on eggshells, but just being like, you know, I mean, what's God's plan here? And what an amazing, like, end of this journey that I can't even fathom. I mean, I'm just watching on the sidelines, just totally overjoyed, not, you know, giving credit to Mary or anything, but I just thought to myself, just like, wow, there's this amazing blessing they work here, you know, it's kind of like a personal thing with me and her, but man, I, I can't believe the whole journey that you guys have been on together when it culminates in you guys actually giving birth it's just like i don't know i <laughs> i can't well, even say anything about that i just don't know you know and father rich maybe you should tell them um because actually father rich Bless i'll you. tell you the timing father rich can tell you what he did because i now text him and i blame him when i'm about to lose my mind <laughs> but we were, we were actually having our lady of guadalupe when we went to galveston Yep. Um, every year our company gets to celebrate and shield. I, I remember sitting out on the dock with you and being like, <laughs> I tell you something and I'm scared to admit this, but that was when we had gotten a call about John David, our second baby. And um, we had just had a failed match, which is kind of a whole different beast. And there was just a lot of peace, but father rich was there. Um, and yeah. And we were, we had just gotten a call, um, actually like on the, it was on the feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is the day after my birthday. So um, we had gotten the call the day before my birthday that our, a little girl that we had been matched with for about eight weeks had fallen through. <clears throat> and I was not, I probably didn't handle it as spiritually as I should have, but it, there was just, I was broken. I was, I felt like just so sad. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So December 8th, I was in Costco, Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And again, like, here's Mary, right? And we get this call and it was like, um, it was just crazy. I don't know if we need to speak to that at all, but it was definitely one where I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this again so quickly. Like my heart is just broken. And Jordan's like, yes, 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 we got it. Yes, yes, it's gonna be good. Yes. And I'm like, okay. And the next day we left to go to Galveston on our, our trip um, for, our company feast day to be able to have mass with our awesome chancellor and all of these things. And so I actually was, I think I shared with everyone there, like, Hey, just FYI, we haven't told anybody else yet, but we got a call yesterday about a baby. Don't know if it's boy or girl. Don't know the ethnicity, but honestly, like we didn't care, you know? Um, and we're like, it probably won't happen. Like, you know, like there, it, it was in that moment that we were kind of having that negative, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I remember sitting on the dock talking to Sheil and I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't know if this way he's going to be born. I'm, you know, he actually was the one who told us we should name him John. Mm. You remember that? Um, anyways, so Father Rich, if you want to tell, that's the timeline. And so 
you were there when we, um, days well, before. David yeah, well, Father Rich and Delacrosse were kayaking and having a kayak uh, jousting battle in the pool. And then me and Delacrosse were, were uh, trying to tip <laughs> cows at Bucks West. That was a pretty, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was quite, a lot of things happened. That was that the trip. setup for this beautiful pastoral right. I'm sitting here. <laughs> and I was saying, we were also jumping jeeps in the uh, dunes, which was, yeah, right. we came to find out later was illegal, but. Oh, was it really? I, yeah, we I need to remove that video of me jumping like those that. dunes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, th- I just, I have to sit here and just uh, express gratitude. And it's, it's what Delacroix said. I mean, it's the fruits of Our Lady. You know, and her intercession, like there's no, there's no question. There's just absolutely, um, the miraculous power of God is real. And it's, it, it confounds science. It confounds the timeline, everything that you've, everything that you've shared. And to know, but as a consecrated priest of Our Lady of La Leche, to know the power of her intercession and to see it in you guys, it, um, cause look like it, I have grieved the fact that I don't have children. Mm-hmm. I've grieved the fact that, you know, in my vocation, I'm denying myself to be a spiritual father and to exercise fatherhood and to be able to witness the miracle in your marriage and the gift of, in, in the gift of your child is just like, the suffering's worth it, mm-hmm. you know, like your, your, your journey and everything that I'm drawing from this, sh- this show today is that, you know, take courage because God has a plan. Mm-hmm. God has a plan and he's going to manifest his power. So if, if God is going to manifest his power and he's going to prove the impossible, you know, would you not want to endure it? Would you not want to take up courage and walk that path? together and how that's forged you so closely together, Jordan and Joanna, and, and for you to be able to light up and express, like looking back at all of that suffering, like, you know, there's a plan that God, God, I'm, I'm grateful for all of it. Now I'm grateful for all of it. And that's what just humbles me that, that I would, that I, I got to witness that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Father. And I will, I will say in kind of Bridging to what um, Delacross said. Do you want to speak? Can you tell that he's like my supportive, <laughs> loving husband? And I'm always like, yeah. I, I wonder why you and Delacross didn't we, talk that much about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're very uh, laconic. But, uh, but Father Rich, you actually, so this is a plug to go see Father Rich at his parish, St. John Paul II Catholic Church. Um, Knock a tea. But, but uh, yeah, so you actually prayed over us. Um, you prayed with us, you offered a mass for us. I don't know if you remember this. Um, when we were in Galveston, mm-hmm. John David was born. Uh, I was at work. I don't know if you guys remember this and got a call and they were like, Hey, we're going to go, we're, we were going to meet the birth parents. Um, yeah. got a call that, Oh, actually pack your bags. He's being born. And we're like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Like, you know, if you don't get nine months to prepare, you get like nine hours, nine mm-hmm. minutes. Um, and uh, anyway, so we got in the car and left and John David was born and um, that was a beautiful thing. And then um, our goddaughter, Maria Delacrosse, uh, was baptized on the Feast of St. Joseph, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you came in to baptize her and, well, that was before, wasn't it? That was when we got pregnant before. But anyways, father at that baptism prayed over us uh that we would conceive Mm -hmm. that our family would grow and so now every time that i have miraculously gotten pregnant and i'm like whoa benjamin button like i'm getting young i'm getting older but whatever and i i will tell father rich like thanks a lot like Uh, yeah be careful now everyone's going to start making pilgrimages for the holy holy miracle priest worker over there our father of la leche you know Father of Leche. He's like, well, I dedicated my, my priesthood. Our father of Leche. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. So, <laughs> so a couple things. Uh, speaking of that, so uh, oh. for couples suffering or dealing with infertility, 
Um, there is Our Lady of La Leche to have a devotion mm-hmm. towards. Uh, there's a grotto in, in the Holy Land where the Holy Family, when they were fleeing Herod to go to Egypt, stopped. And according to tradition, it's a cave. It's called the Milk Grotto. And according to tradition, um, one drop of breast milk that Mary was feeding Jesus with fell and left the rocks of this cave to be a very white chalky rock and they will shave some of that rock off and send it to infertile couples as a sacramental also for those considering adoption the patron saint of adoption is saint william of rochester you can look him up so there's a little bit of a spiritual aid there and then there's a lot of uh catholic adoption services that either you know really the church can't do much with placing children anymore because the church can't violate its conscience and uh, place a child with a maybe like a same gender couple or whatever. So they've really been forced out of it by politics, but there's still a lot of support the church can can um, offer as far as either um, counseling or, you know, the organizations that can help with funds and things like that. And then the last thing is that, you know, if you are or know someone, if you're a young woman or know a young woman who is pregnant and struggling with the decision of whether to give birth to a child just look at the joy that these children get to have. These children get to have Easter and Christmas with amazing parents like Jordan and Joanna. They get to ride their bikes. They get to play catch. Jordan gets to teach them how to do woodworking. Joanna gets to, you know, make dinner with them and hang out with them and go for walks, right? This child has a whole lifetime of opportunities, joys, struggles, but has that every opportunity. So if you are pregnant and not sure what to do and you happen to watch this, consider that, that your selfless act for nine months can lead to a lifetime of joy for so many people, both the adoptive parents, the child themselves, and all the people that the child will influence throughout their life. So don't just think that we're Catholics are pro-birth. We we are truly pro-life because life is more than just a slogan on a bumper sticker. It's a story. It's a story of real people like Jordan and Joanna and and their children. And consider that, that with your selfless act for nine months, you can give an entire life of rippling positive effects to so many people. And I just want to give a shout out to Our Lady of La Leche because she is about to be core, you know, she's about to be crowned by the Vatican, which is the fourth time in the history of the United States of America where an image of Mary is crowned. So it's very rare that this would happen. This upcoming October 10th, which is a Sunday, I encourage you, if you can, make a trip to St. Augustine to be grateful to the first shrine dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And under the title of Our Lady of La Leche y Buen Parto, which means Our Lady who nursed Jesus with her breast, with divine milk, that that sense of the milk offering, being nurtured, the divine son of God being nurtured at the breast of the Blessed Mother, and y Buen Parto, that that you would have a good delivery um, of that child. So please, please, please mark those calendars down October 10th in St. Augustine at Mission Nombre de Dios. The Vatican will be sending prelates and people to crown Our Lady, and we want you to be there, certainly in solidarity in person, but hopefully we'll be able to share some of that online as well with with all of you uh, when that beautiful day comes. And I'll make sure I put links to that on on our page. Again, go to catholictalkshow.com. And if you're watching this, click like, subscribe, share, do all the things. Helps us get this out there. Uh, Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Catholic Talk Show. But I'll put links to that, Father Rich, on our website, catholictalkshow.com. And then also links to anything else that we mentioned in the episode. Uh, Not not including our sponsors, which we really should mention as well, because they make our show possible. So I could talk about Hallow. Hallow is a sponsor. Yeah, so Hallow is an app that I use. Uh, It helps me to pray as... Joanna mentioned uh, a lot of times, you know, just being a parent, it's just crazy all around. And so the devotions, you kind of lose track of them, things like that. And uh, we took on hollow and I tried the app and it's literally guided meditations. I just have to go somewhere somewhat quiet for 10, 15 minutes. And the the guided meditations are really awesome. That's what I really like the most about it. It's Lexio Divina and they do a daily one every day with scripture. They take a little piece of scripture. It's such a profound, has such a profound impact on my life. And when I'm in the car with my kids, I'll play it. And then we'll, we'll share what we were kind of, 
you know, meditating on. It's just a really, really wonderful tradition of our church that is being made in a in a in a technological environment that's uh, very beautiful. Uh, strongly uh, recommend that. You can go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hallow. You get it free for, I believe, 14 or 30 days. You can try it. There's also the Bible in a, a year. There's some, you know, music in there that's beautiful. A lot of new features have come over the last six or eight, eight months. So, I mean, the app is is solid. It's the number one Catholic prayer app in the app store. I, I can tell you, you know, that's why. So that's Hallow. Again, catholictalkshow.com forward slash Hallow. You can get your free uh, subscription there. And it will Catholic Monthly, incredible, incredible opportunity right now because Jordan can speak to Catholic Monthly and incredible, incredible gift. Yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, Catholic Monthly is is a, a new Catholic subscription box. I've got one right here. Um, so if you are interested in getting awesome Catholic gifts sent to you in the mail each month, uh, become a subscriber of Catholic Monthly. Um, really, the, the, the idea behind this was... Um, if you want to go deeper in your knowledge and your practice of the faith, um, we can help you do that in bite-sized monthly chunks. Uh, there's 2,000 years of tradition out there, you, you know, and and what a shame if you felt like you had to get a PhD to be able to, to enjoy all of that. So it, with Catholic Monthly, each month we curate a box uh, around a particular theme. Usually the themes follow the church's devotions for that month. And, um, and we, we pick several items to put inside uh, that will help you in a tangible way each day to dive into that devotion. So um, real quick, I'll just show you what's inside this, this box. This is our May box. We just shipped out our first round of these last week. Um, and inside we've got uh, several different items to help you grow in your devotion to the Blessed Mother. So May is Mary's month traditionally. So inside we've got a, a, a nice one-sheeter that talks about devotion to the Blessed Mother, and then give some insight about the different items inside the box and how they relate to that devotion. Um, included is a, a copy of St. Louis de Montfort's The Secret of the Rosary. Fantastic oh, wow. Awesome. Book. Awesome book. Excellent book. Yep. We, uh, we, we try to pick a selection of items that that touch different parts of your life, right? So something maybe that you wear or aids you in prayer, something you can hang on your walls as, as religious art to help you be reminded of that devotion throughout the year, something you can read to grow in knowledge. Uh, so the book is, is to help you grow in knowledge. Here's a framed print featuring a quote from uh, the Gospel of Luke, the Magnificat, that you can put either on your wall or on your desk. Um, this is really cool. We uh, got these super soft custom printed t-shirts that show an image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Nice. Uh, so you can oh, wear this. Uh, and then lastly is um, a, uh, a brown scapular and a uh, consecration uh, prayer card to go along with it. So a couple items to wear, some to put on your wall, uh, and some to uh, to read. And each month, new things like that show up on your doorstep. So uh, if you want to learn more about it uh, and how to join, you can go to catholicmonth.ly. And Ryan, I think you'll probably put something in the show notes about sure that will. too. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And Jordan, if they so go Jordan there, they and Joanna off their first month, first month, correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Get fifty percent off for your first month. Cancel any time. No strings attached. Um, but we think you'll love it. So Jordan and Joanna, we are just so appreciative for your testimony and sharing so beautifully with us, my brothers and sisters. Before we go, I just want to express a big thank you to our patrons. Without your financial support, our show would go nowhere. And we are commissioned to proclaim the gospel to all nations, and that is exactly what this show is doing. Syndicated through Catholic TV, syndicated in Lebanon and Belize, and we have had such a reach and we've developed such a community online that I'm just so grateful for. It's a miracle in and of itself, but it wouldn't happen without your financial support. If you're out there considering becoming a supporter of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic talk show. There you'll see every way you could support us. And we have some cool memorabilia to send your way in Thanksgiving. So before we go, just to touch on the fact that Joanna expressed this before, all of us are called to adoption. And so indeed we are, because each of us are adopted children of God, our father through Jesus Christ. So let's finish with the scripture from Ephesians chapter one. This is week two, Monday evening prayer. We say this every single week, and it's just such a beautiful way to conclude this episode. Praised be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has bestowed on us in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavens. God chose us in him before the world began 
to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us to be his adopted sons through Jesus Christ. Such was his will and pleasure that all might praise the glorious favor he has bestowed on us in his beloved. In him and through his blood, we have been redeemed and our sins forgiven. So immeasurably generous is God's favor to us. God has given us the wisdom to understand fully the mystery, the plan he was pleased to decree in Christ, a plan to be carried out in Christ in the fullness of time, to bring all things into one in him, in the heavens and on the earth. Amen. My brothers and sisters, coraggio, coraggio. Be courageous. God is with you, and God means to lead you through this suffering to the joys of the freedom of the children of God. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.